joined now on the line by Paul Patrick, the sports editor of the Anglo Celt. And Paul, looking forward to the weekend, Sunday afternoon, this rescheduled game between Mead and Cavan taking place in King from Breffney at 2 o'clock. A huge game for both teams. We're just getting to the midpoint, really, of the league. And it, it, this game will determine whether you're looking at relegation or promotion. And how do you see this game going, Paul? I uh, think, Mickey, that, that uh, Cavan have never been the same since you retired yourself, to be honest. But <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I think this this game could turn out to be the, the defining game in Matty Midlinen's term as Cavan manager because coming into this game, there was, or coming into this National League campaign, there was a lot of doom and gloom around the Cavan team. I interviewed Darren McVeigh, who's probably Cavan's best player, really, at the minute. He's the captain of the team. Uh, and he, I put it to him that there was a lot of doom and gloom around the county, especially after the final McKenna Cup game was a 21-point defeat against Tyrone, and that was a record in the history of the Cavan senior team. They never lost a competitive game at home by 21 points, so that was a real low point. Um, and McVeigh admitted there was a lot of doom and gloom around, but he was quite bullish about it, and he said players shouldn't listen to it, and, and we just need to get on with it, and we're better than that. And in fairness... They played, they played player. They didn't play great that day, but they showed great heart. They definitely couldn't doubt their character, and they got a draw out of that. They had a, a good win against Loud, albeit you know a dreadfully poor Loud team on the evening. But Cavan did play very well that evening, um, bar a short period in the lead up to half time. So to come into this game now, amazingly, given where they were at a couple of weeks ago, uh, if they if they could beat Mead at home. They'll go top of the table, which which nobody would have seen coming. I certainly didn't see it coming. So I think this is a huge game. It's going to be under no illusions. This is going to be Cavan's toughest test. I think there is there is a feeling in the county that Mead we're looking over peering over the wall, you could say, into the into the Royal County, and there is a feeling that Mead are sort of on the rise. Um, whereas Cavan have certainly lost a lot of players. Um, but it, yeah, I think it's going to be. When the story of Matty Medina's time as Cavan manager comes to be written, I think there'll be a chapter on this game because if Cavan can win it, you know, as you say, they're looking at promotion and a return to Division One. We got to Division One after a long, a long wait under Terry Highland two years ago, but to get back this year, given the the amount of quality season players that have have departed the scene, I think it would be an even bigger achievement for Medina. So uh, there's an awful lot riding on this one, as you say. Yeah, it really does seem to be a huge, huge game for in Matty McLean's uh, managerial career uh, over Cavan. And similarly in Mead, Mead uh, at the start of the year, there was a lot of doom and gloom and uh, a lot of players had left the panel. And, and interestingly enough, I don't know whether you, see, you saw Paddy O'Rourke's uh, column that he did. Um, he did an interview with, uh, I think it was uh, somebody to do with AIB. I don't know, did you get a chance to, to read, read that? It was, it was very interesting. And I thought it was... Um... Maybe it was an indictment on uh, Mick O'Dowd's setup, or maybe it was just maybe it was just uh, indicative of you know what what goes on at, at county level these days. Like Joe Brawley famously called them indentured slaves. And I, I remember I referenced earlier on when Cavan got promoted to Division One, and if you saw the Cavan players coming off the field that day, you would certainly say that they weren't indentured slaves. I would imagine it was it was one of the happiest afternoons of their football careers because that was as good as winning an Ulster final for Cavan to get back to Division One that day. So what I think. Um, the asterisk that, that should be that should be beside Paddy Rock's comments is, I'd imagine it's a it's a huge slog if you're not winning anything or you're not enjoying success. If you're winning or like Cavan getting promoted to Division One, even it's probably worth it. But Mead haven't been winning on the, when Paddy Rock was there, bar the the uh, 
that Leinster final win against Loud in 2010 and this All Ireland which we won't mention which we won't mention but Mead weren't winning no different than Cavan bar that promotion Cavan haven't been winning what they'd like to at, at senior level either so I'd imagine it's very, it's a very tough um, uh, path to, to plough if you're not winning but if you're winning sure everything everything's worth it if you're winning but it was it was very interesting and it was refreshing to hear a player come out and, and, and talk so so openly on it well, just on that as well, I suppose. Like looking at it, um, I, I suppose for for the lesser teams uh, uh, in the country, it kind of makes the makes out that the league is more important than the championship because at the end of the day, when was the last time that a team from out of Division One has won the All Ireland final? So therefore, you're looking at Division One is 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 where the All Ireland uh, uh, championship will be won. Be a team from Division One. So you look down through the, the leagues and most of them teams are not going to progress through the championship so that makes their leagues more important to them and maybe he has a point that the, the championship that the All-Ireland series should be uh, graded and that should, there should be uh, maybe a senior intermediate and junior what do you think of that Paul? Yeah I, I think I think that will come to pass Manny McLean was spoke to Martin Brownie in the Independent this week and, and was strongly in favour of that as well I think the, the weaker counties um, and there's a lot of them. It probably it's probably half the, the country, I suppose, at the minute. But they they seem to be generally against it, especially the Division Four counties. I know that Carlo Manager, Torlock O'Brien, he's strongly against it. Um, I think it probably will come to pass. Declan Bogue sort of convinced me. He made a very good argument in a column he wrote there a couple of weeks ago. You can find it on his Twitter page, where he talked about um, Sean Cavanagh's reaction when Moy won the Intermediate All Ireland Club there a couple of weeks back, and he was saying that, like Cavanagh said, it. It genuinely ranks right up there, and he's won minor under 21 and senior All Ireland with Tyrone. But he said it genuinely ranks right up there with everything he's ever won, and um, that's because Moy were competing at their own level. You know, it's it, you, nobody was asking the Moy to go and play against Slot Neil or New Rangers or someone like that. So yeah. when you look at the success of the club series, which is great, it gives everyone their chance for a day in the sun. Personally, I know this is a bit of a tangent, but personally, the way I think it's going to go is, I think we're going to see in maybe five or six years, I think we're going to see possibly a breakaway uh, elite level competition. Something like we saw with the Premier League in England. I, I can see it being six or seven counties and maybe two or three amalgamations. Maybe Cavan Monaghan and Fermanagh. Uh, horrible as it sounds now. They might be a so-called franchise. In it. <laughs> like London had seven. You, you, had you, seven you wouldn't be joining with me. You wouldn't be joining with me. <laughs> Jesus Christ, don't say that. I think London, <laughs> London had seven homegrown players um, in their team that that played their opening round in the National League. New York have a team in the All-Ireland uh, Colleges Championship this year. You could see London and New York getting into it and, and the GA putting massive money that way. But I do think that's the way it's going to go. And I think what's going to, what's going to push that over the edge is the big talk at the moment is, um, number one, the excessive demands on players, which is what Paddy O'Rourke talked about. And number two is the... the the calendar is so clogged, and we have a situation this weekend where fellas are playing an all Ireland have to choose between an all Ireland club semi final and a Sigerson Cup final. I think something has yeah. to give, and I think what we'll give is uh, club and county will separate because they're not compatible anymore, and that's just going to get worse and worse. Like I mentioned that interview with Darren McFeedy, he talked about how Cavan played Tyrone in the, in the Alliance League last year, um, and the game was called off due to a wet pitch, which meant there was no no break in the latter rounds of the league. So I think Cavan played maybe five or six rounds in a row. And then it went straight, because the club players had to be looked after too, McVitie went and played uh, 
I think it was six or seven rounds of the All County League in Cavan in a row. And he says, you know, he picked up an injury in that period. And then he went and played with, with Cavan in the Ulster Championship and the All Ireland Qualifiers. Then he was trying to play in the Club Championship with, with his Club Crush Law. And then he went, and uh, because the All County Football League was still going, he played right through until December the 10th. And he ended up uh, being out there for two and a half months with this injury because he couldn't treat it. And he was saying, you know, if you play 13 weeks in a row, there's going to be wear and tear. It's going to be tough. And uh, so I just think it's not compatible. And he, he said something needs to be brought in for the club players. What I think needs to be done is, well, I don't know if it needs to be done. I think inevitably will happen is that it'll be separated. And it'll be the best for everyone. Yeah. My club is a small intermediate club, uh, Red Hills. And, you know, we have, a, we have Rory Dunn, who's a county player. In years... You know, we we would under that system we wouldn't have Rory, but as it is, we we don't have Rory at training half time because he's with the county. Yes. You know, so it, we would instead instead of okay, we'd lose a, an outstanding player to the county and he'd be gone off and we we wouldn't see him again. But that's the same in rugby and the same in soccer. The other thirty odd players that's on the panel know when they're playing. They're playing all year round, and you don't need to worry about about um, it messing up your your life away from football as well. So I think that's the way it's going to go. I think it's amazing that that. Uh, it, the amateurism has survived as long as it has, but you can't hold back the waves. This is the way it's going. People say, why can the GA not fix this this fixtures crisis? I think they can fix it, but the only way they can fix it is by stripping back completely on uh, on what the the parts of of their whole organisation that bring in the revenue and bring in the money. And if you do that, you know you're you're killing the cash cow. And I don't say that in a negative way because you're you're going to the, the money still has to go and be be found for capital projects, for coaching, for all the other things, for, for looking after players with the GPA, all that stuff. So they can't go back on that now. There's no going back yeah. on that. That you can only go forward and the, the, the inevitable is going to happen. Like I actually I actually really like Joe Brody and a lot of what he says, but I, I do think that he, he clings to That's the, controversial. <laughs> that's controversial as it's <laughs> <laughs> But I do think he clings to this this notion of uh of a day that's gone and it's not coming back. Like the day when fella when a fella's drank ten pints on Saturday night before a game and went out and the full back caught the ball and didn't look up and just booted up the field and um two fellas hit each other box in the face and then jumped for the ball. That 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 those days are gone. Like that's just that's life. Society has changed yeah. and things have changed and uh we are just gonna have to accept that club and county in a few years' time are going to be separate. So we can play this podcast back in seven or eight years' time, Mickey, and I I'll be known as the Oracle of Kevin. Yeah, you were indeed the visionary. You'll be known as Ar- uh, Archimedes or something like that. Um, but I suppose looking, looking, uh, looking at it from a mead point of view, very similar situation. The the um, Auburn Cup was uh, postponed due to weather. The the Cavan uh, Mead game was postponed due to weather, uh, and now we've got a situation in Mead where the county players were allowed to play last weekend with their clubs because the the game was called off. They're now they're playing again this weekend. Uh, the break in March that they were supposed to have is now going to be uh, the O'Byrne Cup final. And then if they go to a league final, if the Mead players do go to a league final, that means that they will have played, I think it's 11 weeks in a row, maybe 9 or 11 weeks in a row, because the club championship starts then in the second week of April. So uh, it, it, it's similar in every county that one game can can just clog up a whole year's fixtures. Now. Yeah, that's it, that's it. I did see someone making a point on Twitter last night that, you know, Players players don't want a big gap between games, but yes, players don't want to play every week for ten or twelve weeks either. And someone's saying like, yeah. what, what do you want? But 
the the thing is it's it's like everything else, you know, it's not black and white. There has to be maybe you can play six weeks in a row and then get a break and then play six weeks in a row. But it's 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 tough like and I think what's causing the problem is players are serving too many masters and I, I just I genuinely think that that is naturally going to evolve into a thing where they won't be they won't be club and county players, it'll be one or the other. And I suppose then, Paul, we've kind of gone off on a tangent there talking about um, how we think we should uh, restructure the whole uh, of, of of the GAA. But to bring it back to this Sunday, to, to bring it back to this Sunday, uh, as we said, it's a big game. Um, I suppose looking at the Cavan team, who who are the players in the Cavan team that have excited you most this year? Because as we know, there's been 13, there was 10 13 debutants on the first day of the league for Cavan, 10 starters and 3 debutants come on. And as Cavan have progressed through the games, they have got a few of the more experienced players back. But the young players have done quite well for them. They have, yeah. Well, I suppose Darren McFeedy, who I mentioned earlier, has been playing very well and has developed into a, into a quality, a real quality into currently footballer. Um, I think the, the player who is probably exciting the fans the most at the minute is Kevin O'Reilly from Butler's Bridge. He'll be playing in, yeah. in the Sigerson now this weekend, as far as I know. So I'm not sure if Cavan will, will have him. The Sigerson final makes it on Saturday, is it? I think it is on Saturday. Yeah, yeah. maybe they will yeah. have Kevin for the game, but um, he's another player with a, with a tough schedule. But he's he's a very good forward. He was the captain of the under 21s last year. He's a left footer. He's a good ball winner and very accurate with the left foot, and he's an eye for goal as well. So he's a player to watch out for. Um, back to field, I suppose. Kieran Brady, uh, the holla as he's known in Cavan, he's a player that I really like. Um, a very aggressive, wholehearted type player. So I suppose a throwback uh, type player. He, he's the type of player that, you know, he he loves the life in the trenches and he loves to get into a battle. And he's been playing very well um, around the half back line, wearing six. So I think he's come through the underage and he's settling. Well, I just just. A- just to clarify for the Mead uh, people, uh, it's Kieran the Holla Brady, um, and the reason why he's called the Holla, it's not, it's nothing got to do with rap music, has it? No, no, I think he, I think his house is in a Holla, as we call it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There's another Kieran Brady, and he's from the hill, and then this <laughs> Kieran Brady from the Holla. So he's. <laughs> I think he's he's been playing very well. Killian Clark hasn't been playing his best yet. Um, I don't know if he's. Position, Paul. I was at a couple of the Cavan games as well, and he 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 wouldn't be a natural midfielder. No, he's not. I I think his best position is full back, and I think that the defence has a, a much better look to it uh, when Killian Clark's a full back because he's he's an absolutely brilliant full back. I remember when he was playing underage, playing Ulster minor finals and under twenty one finals. Like he three Ulster under twenty one medals. He played full back in all those teams, and he turned in some absolutely unbelievable displays at full back. Cavan have moved him around from pillar to post. He even played as a forward at times. Um, he played midfield a lot. Last year he had two phenomenal games. Um, one was Mark and Paul Ganey in the league when, when Cavan drew with Kerry and one was Mark Killian O'Connor in the league when Cavan beat Mayo. At both those games he played in a defensive role. So I do think he is out of position um, at midfield. Uh, so Clark, Clark hasn't been playing his best stuff but he's still a very he's a quality operator as we know. So I think I think those three fellas that I mentioned I think also Conor Mina um He's a player that the supporters maybe don't fully embrace, but I always think that the Calvin supporters are a little bit uh, suspicious of a skillful type player. They're, they'd rather more, they, they, uh, even a, a player who's limited in skill, but is more of a, a hard man or full of full of uh, raw endeavour uh, is the type of player sometimes the Calvin supporters get behind. Mina 
he doesn't have pace. I think if he had pace, he'd be one of the best players in Ireland. I genuinely think that. But what he has is um, he's a very good reader. Serious range of kicking. Yeah, his passing is unbelievable. He has. I wouldn't yeah. say there's too many better passers of the ball in the country. So uh, I would say the Meath fans keep an eye on Conor Minor because he mops up a lot of loose ball and he can deliver a 50-yard pass, pinpoint pass into the chest of a player on the run. He's, he's brilliant at that. So he's a player I like to watch as well. Excellent, excellent. I suppose we'll just finish up on this last one. Um, I was uh, listening to Mark Farley and the Balls.ie um, podcast last week, and uh, something that was turned up that I, I I didn't know about myself. I know I know the, the the structure they're talking about, but I never knew that it was a um, uh, it was a problem between uh, Mead and Cavan. The shit tower of Karen Ross. Have you? Uh, have you have you ever seen the shit tower of Karen Ross? Oh, I thought you were going to ask me about the time the Mead fans supposedly put a jersey on a donkey at the side of the road, a Cavan jersey. Uh, that was mentioned <laughs> well, in the same well, podcast. No, I don't know anything about the shit tower. Yeah, in Karen Ross there at the Marks, they've got the, the, the manure tower. Um, uh, it's not one of these ones, as, as Mark described, it's not one of the ones that's underground, it's above ground. But uh, he was saying that there was the battle of the shit tower, um, and that's basically when the Mead supporters pass the shit tower, they're going into Cavan, and vice versa, when the Cavan <laughs> people are passing, they're going into Mead. So um, uh, what kind of a battle, or what ki- I suppose, what kind of a welcome can the Mead supporters expect when they go past the shit tower? On Sunday. Oh, sure, we welcome them with open arms, Mickey. You know yourself. Um, we won't be throwing stones at them or anything like that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, I think. I think. The last time Cavan did meet in, in Berkeley Park, Cavan beat them. That was a Division 3 game about maybe six or seven years ago. Um, funnily enough, Cavan beat Mead and Monaghan that year, who were the two teams that were promoted, but uh, ended up not going up themselves. But th- then they, they played. They played in Park Tyson twice, and Mead won one of them, and Cavan won the other. The other was the famous turnaround, where Cavan were seven points there in a half time, and one by seven. So, I actually, I actually think that Cavan enjoy going to Park Tyson, funnily enough, because it's a very fast surface. And uh, yeah. you know, you you've told me that yourself from playing on it that it's it's a hard surface. It's, it's um, suits fast football, and Cavan do have a bit of pace about the team, but Berkeley Park is not. It's quite a dead surface, and Cavan's home record is is actually very poor, even though they beat Loud the last time. Uh, going right back to 2014, Cavan have been knocked out of the championship at home uh, every year since. They've lost a lot of league games at home. Even when they, they got promoted in 2016, they lost um, their first home league game to Derry that year. So, Berkeley Park is not a fortress. Um, I, I think the bookies can't really split them. Me, they're a 10 to 11. Uh, last week it was even money each side, but I, I would have to say now, um, head rule in the heart, I think me, they're probably the safer bet this week. So you're, you, I was just uh, that answers my last question. I was going to say to you, how do you think the young guns, this new uh, bright team down in Cavan, will get on against Mead? But you're going to go for uh, a Mead win, and do you see it being a narrow victory, or do you see Mead running away with it? Um, I, I think it'll be close. Yeah, I, th- I think it will be close, and I'd be really impressed if Cavan can win this game because to, to where they were at a month ago to, to go on top of the table after three rounds uh, would be a phenomenal turnaround. I just can't see it. I, I think if if Cavan can, can get enough ball to to Keen Mackey, uh, Darren McFe- who's I should have mentioned him earlier, he's playing very well. Uh, Darren McFeely and Kevin Riley. I think maybe that Mead backline might be a little bit vulnerable, but I think um, Mead have have are strong around the middle. I know you were telling me before that Brian Menton has been playing well, and Mead have good yep. forwards as well. So 
and have a lot of pace there. That's, all, in, that's all I'm telling you. You're not getting any more information off me. <laughs> I'm not giving out any information on the me team for this game on Sunday. <laughs> Brian Mental's probably retired. <laughs> <laughs> Mick Lyons will stay a full-back. <laughs> Mick Lyons will stay a full-back. And you'll see Liam Hayes bucking the ball out of the air at midfield uh, with, uh, with Brian, Brian Menton. Uh, look, Paul, uh, thanks a million for joining us on the We Are Mead podcast. Um, I'll see you on Sunday in Kingsland, Brathy, and look, may the best team win. And, and obviously, I'll have, I'll have divided loyalties on the day. I have great love for Cavan, and I also have great love for my home county Mead. So, uh, we'll say a draw would be a nice result. Okay, Mickey, thanks for your time.